Welcome to another edition of The Last Negroes at Harvard. I'm Kent Garrett. There were 18 of us in the Harvard College class of 1963. In 1959, we were the largest number of blacks ever admitted to Harvard. This podcast is about being black in America for over 80 years. Israeli strikes have killed 17,177 Palestinians since October 7th, and 350 people have died in the past 24 hours, according to Gaza's health ministry, uh, talking on Thursday. For two months now, the Palestinians in Gaza have been subjected to slaughter and genocide. But long before this particular war began, we have all been subjected to the ubiquitous Israeli propaganda machine turning out a daily barrage of lies and horror stories that turn out not to be true. Independent journalist Abby Martin has spent much of her career keeping track of Israel propaganda and reporting on Israel's oppression of Palestinians. A few days ago, she joined Brianna Joy Gray on the Bad Faith podcast to discuss the new wave of Israeli media manipulation that has quickly shifted the focus from 40 imaginary beheaded babies to a non-existent command center under the Al-Shifa hospital to a new set of allegations involving sexual assault on October 7th. Take a listen to their conversation. Israel's propaganda is getting absurd. Back for a second time, I believe, on Bad Faith Podcast, we have with us today Abby Martin, perhaps one of the most important journalists for the current political context. You know her as the creator and host of The Empire Files, also a documentarian. Welcome back, Abby Martin. Thank you so much for having me again. It's great to be on. Now, you have been very busy. Um, I think a lot of people want to pick your brain right now because you're one of the few um, kind of independent media journalists who has spent a lot of time on the ground in the region currently in dispute. And I just wanted, first and foremost, to get um, your takes, your impression on what the coverage is looking like, not just in the immediate aftermath of October 7th, but now that we're almost two months out um, from that initial date. The media uh, coverage has been completely abysmal, Bree. I, I every time something erupts in Gaza or the West Bank, I keep thinking, how could it get any worse? How could it get any mm-hmm. more egregiously one-sided? And they just keep topping themselves. Uh, and and I, I honestly think the Western media is complicit in the genocide that we're seeing unfold right now. And you know, context is extremely important with both of these, with the West Bank and with Gaza. But right now, Israel's committing a clear textbook case of genocide. And the fact that the Western media is sitting back and absolving this, uh, justifying it, and also denying the Palestinian reality is just completely beyond the pale. And they should be charged as such. I mean, I saw you picking up on some really kind of gross instances of print media, 
using passive voice to seemingly try to uh, desensitize the audience to horrific stories that they feel at least compelled to report on, but in the least visceral way possible. Uh, the um, Was it the Washington Post reported on the um, babies in the NICU that were left behind after a hospital, a Gaza hospital was evacuated, who were left to not only die, but then start to decompose in their uh, incubators. This is the, the headline from the Washington Post, four fragile lives found ended in evacuated Gaza hospital, not left to die, not killed because of the choices of the IDF, who told the doctors to leave them behind and affirmed that they were going to be safe, but simply passively found ended. There was another retraction that had to be made over the weekend from the Jerusalem Post. I'm not sure if you saw this, Abby, where mm -hmm. a, a viral video of a man clutching a deceased uh, baby in obvious anguish uh, was characterized as him holding a fake doll. Uh, the Jerusalem Post later had to retract that, but did so without actually saying what it was that they were retracting, just saying that we had made a mistake, not actually saying specifically what story they were even talking about. If you hadn't seen the initial story, you wouldn't even know what the retraction was pertaining to. And I, I, I want to give you an opportunity as someone who has done some of the most important on the ground reporting uh, in the Western media, at least, uh, what you make of the gap between what the Western media is printing, including the Jerusalem Post and some Israeli outlet outlets, and what we're seeing from Palestinian journalists, 70 of whom haven't been killed already, mm -hmm. but Palestinian journalists on the ground in Gaza. Brie, it is unconscionable what the, what the media is doing. I mean, you mentioned passive voice. Let's just explore that for a second. Whether it's uh, Palestinians died, um, not pointing to who is killing them. You have UN accounts just saying we're, we're very sad at the tragic passing of our colleagues without pointing out who is killing them. Um, Washington Post also tweeted out a, a Reporters Without Borders conclusive study that showed several journalists were targeted in, a, in targeted assassinations. And their headline just said, this report found that this journalist was targeted and killed, not said who killed them. This passive voice has been present for a very long time. It's just so egregious, especially in the current onslaught. Um, when the Ali Arab Hospital was uh, targeted, in Israel's war on hospitals, and 500 souls lost their lives, they were extinguished. The headlines were absurd. Not only did they, they, they switch right when Israel tried to blame the Islamic Jihad for the errant missile, which turned out to be false and debunked, um, but the headlines just kind of followed suit with what is whatever Israel's propaganda machine was putting out there, first blaming it on Islamic Jihad and Hamas militants, um, and then just saying, oh, both sides are blaming each other. We don't know what happened. And then, of course, uh, of course, eventually just saying a blast, the explosion, not saying what caused the explosion, who caused the explosion. You saw people like Elizabeth Warren condemning explosions <laughs> that were just mm -hmm. innocuously just happening all the Gaza Strip. Um, and then it comes to this notion that Palestinians are faking the atrocities. And I want to point out this conspiracy theory because top Israeli government ministers, media officials are running with this narrative and putting it out there and trying to actually claim that the atrocities that are unfolding that we're seeing dictated real time by Palestinians forced to live stream their most vulnerable moments because you have monsters like Joe Biden actually discrediting their reality and their truth of how many people are dying in mass. 
that they have to film themselves, Brie. Um, they don't want to film their own suffering. They probably want to grieve in peace. They probably want to dig their deceased relatives and, and friends and colleagues out of the rubble in peace, not with cameras filming them, but they have to. They've been forced to show the world this because the world is, is denying their most basic right, which is the truth of their lives, of their genocide. And we can't even give them that. Um, the Jerusalem Post run by Avi Mayer, who's essentially a stenographer for the IDF, he's, he's essentially a military propagandist running one of the biggest newspapers in Israel. Um, they had the audacity to try to discredit and run with that Hollywood propaganda narrative that Palestinians are faking their own atrocities by running with a tweet and an article claiming that one of the deceased children was a doll. Um, this was completely disproven, immediately debunked. And it just, it, it stayed up for far too long, Brie. And as you mentioned, no one took accountability for the egregious lie. No one actually said clearly this was horrific that we put this out there and we apologize to the victims. No, they just quietly took it down and issued a retraction. And just like the 40 beheaded babies, just like the mass rape and systematic sexual violence that was alleged during October 7th, once you put these headlines out there and they're cemented and plastered around the world on the front page of every major newspaper, once they're debunked and, and retracted days later, no one sees those. And so you see this propaganda circulated and cemented as truth. That is why it is so horrific to put out this these lies, because no one will see the debunking. And I see this now parroted as if it's just true, right? That that mass rape yeah. and beheaded babies and and the dehumanization of Palestinians. Um, this is this is how it happens, Bree, is you dehumanize people to the point of animals and it makes the atrocities committed against them that much more okay and normalized and that's what we're seeing happen right now yeah i want to talk a little bit more about this israeli propaganda machine as i alluded to earlier i do think it feels like we've been shuttled from one um piece of misinformation whatever you want to call it um propaganda lies to the next as the credibility credibility of each dissolves under further scrutiny so initially after uh october 7th there were, was reporting that there had been widespread sexual assaults, that there had been beheaded babies. The 40 beheaded babies were a permutation of that. There was a version of it where it was babies hung from a clothesline. Um, there was, uh, of course, the rhetoric about beheadings, generally speaking. Uh, and Heretz actually came out with a piece within the last few days pointing out that although atrocities were committed on October 7th, the litany of specifically quote unquote, barbaric atrocities that I think were being used to dehumanize Palestinians and somehow make the Palestinian deaths or deaths at the hands of Hamas, as opposed to the deaths at the hands of ID, uh, IDF, feel substantively different, even though obviously Israel has killed scores and scores and scores and scores and scores more uh, uh, innocent people than Hamas has at this point. Since then, we've kind of moved through this. We had the El Shifa rhetoric about how there was a command and control center under the hospital that did not materialize. We had sub lies under that one about how the calendar on the wall was supposed to have been a Hamas uh, feeding schedule. We were supposed to take the five or six guns that were placed next to an MRI machine in the hospital as evidence of a command and control center. 
But that seems to have petered out, I think, in part because news organizations poked holes in those lies, in part because, frankly, the mass bombing of all of these hospitals in Gaza, on top of all of the educational institutions, and on top of all of the refugee camps, on top of all of these UN facilities and humanitarian aid workers, means that at a certain point, the, the lie that Hamas was underneath all of them couldn't hold water. And now it seems like we're moving mm -hmm. back into a space where specifically violence against women is being pushed forward in the media as the chief rationale as to why Hamas um, is partic in, in particular, quote unquote, barbaric, that um, the people in Gaza should need to be treated with the brutal force they've been treated with over the last six or seven weeks. And I wanted to play you this clip of an exchange between Dana Bash and Pramila Jayapal that's been getting a lot of backlash for Pramila Jayapal, arguing that she has not sufficiently condemned sexual violence against women. And I want to take that as a starting point for this, this new narrative. Let's take a listen. I want to ask you about uh, sexual violence and the it's kind of remarkable that this issue hasn't gotten enough attention uh, globally. Widespread use of rape, uh, brutal rape, sexual violence against Israeli women by Hamas. Um, I've seen a lot of progressive women, generally speaking, they're quick to defend women's rights and speak out against using rape as a, as a weapon of war, but downright silent on what we saw on October 7th and what might be happening inside Gaza right now to these hostages. Why is that? I, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know that that's true. I think we, we always talk about the impact of war on women in particular. In fact, I remember 20 years ago, I did a petition around the war in Iraq. You said, saying have that, you talked about it since oh, October absolutely. 7th? And I've condemned what Hamas has done. I've condemned Specifically all of women? the actions. Absolutely. The, the rape, the, of course. But I think we have to remember that Israel is a democracy. That is why they are a strong ally of ours. And if they do not comply with international humanitarian law, they are bringing themselves to a place that makes it much more difficult strategically for them yeah. to be able to build the kinds of allies to keep public opinion yeah. with them. And frankly, uh, morally, I think we cannot say that one war crime deserves another. That is not what international humanitarian with, with, law says. Okay, with, with respect, I was just asking about the the women, and you turned it back to Israel. I'm asking you about Hamas, in fact. I already answered your question, Dana. I, I said it's horrific, and okay. I think that rape is horrific, sexual assault is horrific. I think that it happens in war situations. Terrorist organizations like Hamas obviously are using these as tools. Mm -hmm. However, I think we have to be balanced about bringing in the outrages against Palestinians. Yeah. 15,000 Palestinians have been killed in Israeli airstrikes, three quarters of whom and it's, are women and children. And it's horrible, but you're, you don't see Israeli soldiers raping um Well, Dana, I think women. we're not, we're not. Oh my All God. All right, I see the look on your face. Okay, I won't say anything. Go for oh it, Abby. <laughs> Okay, first of all, that's untrue. There's plenty of articles and investigations that show that Israeli soldiers have conducted rape and sexual violence of Palestinian prisoners. Just Google it, Dana Bash, you can learn something. And second yeah. of all, this narrative uh, about October 7th, I mean, let's explore this really quickly because this, this really needs to be kind of dissected here because ever since October 7th happened, which was a, a national tragedy for Israel, they said it was their 9-11, 
Um, a lot of civilians did die. Um, a lot of soldiers, and I, I don't know how many armed settlers died. That that statistic has not been put out there yet. But let's just look at what happened in Israeli media um, since then. A lot of witnesses from the kibbutzes that were attacked and said that a lot of hostages died through crossfire. We don't know exactly how many, but I would say at least a couple dozen, according to the Israeli witnesses and survivors of that situation. The death toll had to be quietly revised from 1,400 down to 1,200 because they found out that tons of the cars that were burned and the carnage that we saw at the Nova Festival was actually done by Israeli Apache helicopter pilots indiscriminate shelling from tanks into those cars that burned actually 200 Hamas fighters that they initially thought were Israeli citizens. So my question, when you look at something like that, especially the aerial photos, it looks like something like the highway of death when the mm. U.S. retreated from the Gulf War. How could these resistance fighters' weapons have done something like that? I mean, clearly that was done by shelling and bombing from Israeli air power. We know that the Air Force was, was out in full force that day. So I think that as the narrative kind of fell apart, especially with the atrocity propaganda that was put out there with the 40 beheaded babies and the systematic mass rape. Now, I don't know if rape happened or not. I am completely open to the evidence that something like that did happen. The problem is when you say it's systematic mass rape and you repeat mm -hmm. that over and over again, that in, that implies that it was used as a weapon. This is the humanizing propaganda that Hamas resistance fighters used rape as a weapon and as a tool. I have not seen any evidence of that. The LA Times had to retract the fact that that was put out there initially. The UN, mm -hmm. this investigative body that, that Jayapal's talking about, that Israel needs to comply with, they actually tried to conduct an investigation and went to Israeli authorities and said, show us the evidence for mass rape. We want to document this. And they were called anti-Semitic. And Israel mm -hmm. said, we don't want to work with an anti-Semitic body that is questioning these claims. So how are these claims supposed to be taken seriously if Israel won't even comply with an investigative body like the UN that is supposed to be the, the standard bearer right, of international law that should be applied equally throughout the world? Um, so it's cartoonish and ridiculous, Brie. And when you look at something, I want to go back really quickly to this NICU babies, the, the Washington Post headline that said that, I don't even know, it's, it's such mental gymnastics to try to even think about how they they phrased that headline to just essentially just say invading Israeli soldiers left NICU babies to die, which was exactly going back to the Gulf War, the propaganda that we were told necessitated us to invade Iraq in the first mm -hmm. place, because Saddam was such a brutal dictator and so barbaric that he was ripping babies out of incubators and throwing them on the ground to die. Well, that is happening right now in Gaza, and no one seems to care. And you have institutions like the Washington Post bending over backwards to try to excuse war crimes and atrocities. And people like Dana Bash wanting people to condemn Hamas, to condemn Hamas. Oh no, this isn't about Israel and it's massive war crimes that they are pledging to commitment more and more and more. And the 70% victims, I mean, of women and children, half children dead, at least 8,000. It is inhumane. And Dana Bash, all she wants to do is talk about unproven allegations of sexual violence because they are desperate, desperate to greenlight what is going on. They're desperate to dehumanize Palestinians, to prepare us for what is coming and what is happening. And it is 
a disgrace. I don't know how these people call themselves journalists. Has she not seen the footage? Has she not seen what is going on in the ground? I mean, it's crazy to me. Look, I know that you can lose your job and that you have to be a willing agent of empire and Israeli propaganda in order to have that job. Look at what happened to Mehdi Hassan, right? Even though he was tiptoeing very carefully and trying to do the both sides thing for a long time, but because he was too hard hitting to Israeli officials, he was shit canned. And, And people like Dana Bash are a joke to the profession. How dare she? Yeah, I mean, going back to that Heretz piece that cleared up some of the post 107 uh, misinformation, it, it, I don't like saying this because I don't want to be in a position, my own humanity is implicated by, you know, minimizing the real tragedy of innocent lives that were lost. But even they found that only, only, you know, but one one baby was killed on October 7th. And when you think about the the ink that was spilled over the narrative that babies, Hamas kills babies, Hamas kills targeted all of these babies and contrast that with the indifference with which not just these five babies that were left to die in the NICU, the difference with that is treated, but to your point, the thousands upon thousands of Palestinian children that have been killed by IDF, by the IDF, hearing them watching the video of their or their parents and other rescuers around as they call out from the inside of fallen buildings that they can't excavate because they still don't have the fuel to power the machines that be able to do so. I mean, it really does. I mean, it, it is gruesome. It is ghoulish for her to be lambasting um, Pramila Jayapal in this way. When Pramila Jayapal said the obligatory, and not just obligatory, but I think Right. meaningfully felt, yes, of yeah, that course wasn't these are enough. atrocities that I condemn. Nothing's enough. Nothing's enough. And to be clear, just no. but this might strain credulity, but Pramila Jayapal got bashed on the internet over this. Um, I'll read a couple of tweets. Uh, Hamas spokesperson Pramila Jayapal this week tried to do damage control for her hateful comments. <laughs> um, Steve Guest writes, Democrat uh, Pramila Jayapal tries to downplay and defend Hamas's rape and sexual violence against Israeli uh, women. Victoria Brownsworth tweeted um, when asked about the rape of Israeli women. Uh, Jayapal says she finds rape horrific, then says it's a tool of war. These women were in their beds at home at 6 a.m. or at a mu- movie, uh, music fest, not at war. As though anything that Pramila Jayapal Paul said, indicated that she thought it was justified or anything other than deplorable. In fact, the White House was asked to weigh in on this today. And Karine Jean-Pierre, um, you know, kind of reaffirmed that what Hamas did was absolutely reprehensible, et cetera, et cetera. And Republicans are upset that she didn't go as far as condemning Pramila Jayapal. So that's the state of play. But still staying on this point, I don't know if you followed this, but there's a... Um, a journalist kind of in the social media space named Owen Jones, who was one of the few more left-leaning people to have an opportunity to view the um, video compilation that Israel put together. Yes. (laughs) Yes. I'm sorry. I'm I'm trying to be diplomatic about it, but yes, the propaganda video um, that they put together. And he trended for most of last week for the crime of pointing out that although many atrocities were in this video, that he found it to be difficult to watch and stomach turning and death and violence is obviously bad and condemnable. He said that nowhere in the video, this is a direct quote, he said, if there was torture, there's no evidence given for it on camera. If there were, was rape and sexual violence committed, we don't see this in the footage either. Now, 
For the crime of pointing out that for all of the horrors that are on the video, it does not actually corroborate Israel's claim that there was torture or rape, he's been getting dogpiled as someone who is also an apologist for torture and rape. And that, combined with the Jayapal clip and combined with the clip that I'm about to show you, really makes me feel like this is kind of the, the, the last big misinformational battleground that the IDF is trying to fight in the in the wake of October 7th. Armand, can you pull up the clips of the State Department spokesperson um, making the argument about the hostages and the rape? In response to the, one of the questions about uh, sexual violence, I'm just interested because the phrasing that you used was uh, curious to me, at least. Um, you said... Um, you have no reason to doubt any reports that, that rape was used as uh, sexual uh, sexual violence was used by Hamas. Uh, you said the fact that they, meaning Hamas, continue to hold women hostages, okay, that is a fact. The fact that they continue to hold children hostages, that is also a fact. But then you said the fact that it seems one of the reasons they don't want to turn women over that they've been holding hostage and the reason that the pause fell apart is that they don't want those women to be able to talk about what happened to them during their time in uh, captivity. Um, the fact that it seems, Maybe. why do you, is, that, is this just conjecture on your part or, or do you know, do you, do you have very good reason to believe, evidence to, to believe that Hamas is deliberately continuing to hold on to female hostages because they're concerned that they will speak about atrocities that were that they were subjected to. So I will accept the edit. Not fact seems is a better way to say it. But let me let me answer the, let me an answer the question. Um, the humanitarian pause, which resulted in uh, an a release of hostages, was negotiated with some very clear terms, and that was that children and women would be the first priority to be released. Um, Near the end of that pause, last Wednesday, Thursday, when we were getting towards the end, uh, Hamas was still holding on to women that should have been the next to be released. They refused to release them. Uh, they broke the deal. Came up with excuses why, ultimately, I don't think any of those excuses were credible, and I shouldn't get into any of them here. Um, but certainly one of the, the, the reasons that a number of people believe they refused to release them is they didn't want people to hear what those women would have to say publicly. Well, I, don't, I, 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 I won't say fact because I don't know it for a fact. Oh, okay. that's, that's without, a number of people believe. A number of people believe. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh -huh. That's where we're at. So the, the argument that's being made here the, the the soft argument that 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 was um Matt Miller State Department spokesperson he had earlier made the the claim that it seemed it seems like a fact the fact that he used that language the fact that these uh, female hostages weren't released because allegedly Hamas didn't want them to be able to speak to the press about their treatment and specifically that they had suffered sexual abuse at the hands of Hamas. Now, I was struck by this for a number of reasons, but I want to give you an opportunity uh, to weigh in here first. I mean, it's striking because it just shows you the complete and total evidence-free allegations that can be peddled by State Department officials. I mean, this is who is answering the official press corps. 
about the most important thing happening in the world right now, a genocide that is being greenlit backed and funded by U.S. tax dollars. And serious questions are being raised by reporters about the evidence behind such allegations that have facilitated this. And you have State Department spokesperson just saying, yeah, it's like it's like a game of telephone. It's just like, yep, friend of a friend of a friend said that maybe this is why. It's it's unbelievable that this is where we're at, that you have someone like him just saying, yeah, that's probably why. That's probably why that they never released the women because they're being systematically raped, even though there was no proof of systematic rape in the initial attack. But let's just throw that out there just to evoke emotion, just to make people super pissed and just to put it out there, right? Another evidence-free allegation to put out there so newspapers can print it. So this can just be the new talking point to dehumanize Palestinians even more as they are being massacred in front of our eyes. It, it, it gets lower every day. I mean, my my threshold for like what is possible for what these people are doing um, to collaborate with Israel is is unbelievable. But this is a new low, Brie. So, so what we also learned from that clip is that Hamas has given, un, unsurprisingly, an explanation for why they think the ceasefire was viol- uh, violated. Mm-hmm. Now, Miller brushes that off saying, I'm not going to get into their, quote, excuses. I don't think that they are, quote, credible. But certainly it does seem to be of public interest what it is that they say they see as a failure to act in good faith on the behalf of the idea that seems at least as newsworthy as your conjecture about why it is that Hamas didn't release, uh, continue to release the remaining um, women that are hostages. Moreover, it seems like this is in such direct contradiction with what we do know factually has been given as testimony from released hostages on both sides. I think it has been a public relations boondoggle for Israel that there have been now a number of hostages who either themselves or their families have been willing to speak to the press who have testified to their humane treatment with Hamas. Now, that, of course, is not to say they wanted to be captured by Hamas. They don't resent and hate that they were kept in captivity for weeks, that they deserved any such treatment or anything like that. But person after person, to the extent that Israel allow is allowing people to speak to the press, people who were in Hamas's custody seem to be uni- uniformly affirming that they ate what Hamas ate, that they w- they shared food. There was testimony that there was a story out that um, a mother was talking about how her daughter now, who her daughter was taken hostage, offers everybody her food before she eats and in a way that one might perceive as kind of gracious or kind or polite or giving of the little girl to do. But the framing of the story was daughter never did this before. Now she does. This is evidence of inhumane treatment by Hamas. So on one hand, we have Israeli prisoners, sorry, uh, Israeli prisoners, yes, who are giving those stories affirming that they were treated equally. We have some video footage that, you know, you can take with a grain of salt. You can say these people still have loved ones in uh, captivity. So of course they weren't going to come out against Hamas. And of course they were going to be friendly as they were getting released. But there is now video footage of people seemingly giving warm handshakes and pats on the back and things like that with um, members of Hamas as they are being released. And on the flip side, we now have Palestinians who are being released who are specifically saying that they were treated brutally, that they were beat, and that sexual assault and rape was a part of their experience when being kept in the custody of Israel. So it does sometimes feel to me that every accusation is an admission. 
when it's coming from these IDF members and the direct contradiction between this framing that's now coming from our own State Department spokesperson and the actual testimony that we have from prisoners that have been released both by Israel and by Hamas is really speaking volumes. Right. I mean, I, I think that that is, a, is an important phrase. Every accusation is an admission because we saw also the accusation that um, Hamas militants ripped a baby out of a pregnant woman's stomach and also mm-hmm. the accusation that they actually threw children into a furnace. I mean, just really mm-hmm. kind of depraved um, levels of, uh, you know, I mean, barbarism, really. And when you look back at, during the 80s, um, Israeli soldiers actually did do that, Brie, um, in one of the massacres, and one of the many massacres against Palestinians. Yeah. Now, it, it it's just crazy to me. And then when you search, you know, that phrase, like a, a, an infant ripped out of a pregnant mother, it all is overshadowed by the false story that you can barely find the facts that are proven about the actual massacre that happened in the 80s um, to Palestinians. So again, I don't know if this is a tactic to kind of flood the, the reality of the situation with all of these falsehoods and, and overshadow the truth, but or if it's just completely dehumanizing atrocity propaganda to just try to foster that attitude from American citizens, especially because let's remember, all the Israeli officials direct their propaganda to us. Americans are the ones who are providing aid and weapons to the Israeli state. We completely subsidize everything that they're doing, the ethnic cleansing, the apartheid and the genocide. So that is why they carefully construct these talking points to us. We are, we're the saps here. We're the dupes Mm. and we're the targets. Um, Israeli citizens know exactly what's going on. They are fascist as hell. Polling came out that showed that only 1.8% of Israelis disagree with the amount of firepower that the uh, IDF is using in Gaza. So they're right on board with this genocidal onslaught. They want to take back and recolonize Gaza. They lost the narrative. They lost that international um, outrage about October 7th once, once all of these stories fell apart. And so they needed to get that going again. They needed to gin up the hysteria again. And that's why you see a new round uh, of commentators going around talking about the sexual violence. That's why you see this propaganda video um, being put together and put out for journalists. It's amazing, too, because you mentioned um, a journalist that actually went and saw that October 7th body cam footage that has been Mm -hmm. put together by the IDF and, and showed to a very select group of journalists. And I think a lot of people have pointed out really interesting things that don't really make sense about that footage. Why is it that this isn't being released to all media, right? Why can't we all see this to prove all the allegations that Israel is telling us are true and that are proven with the body cam footage? I'm open to seeing it. I would, I, I, I you know, I, I really want to see exactly what happened um, documented by the fighters themselves. Let's see it. The problem is that um, a lot of the allegations are unfounded and not proven on the videos. Look, like you said, atrocities were committed. War crimes were committed. I cherish the sanctity of human life. I don't want any civilians to die. I cherish life. That is why I'm so uh, shocked and aghast at at the complete lack of respect for Palestinian life. And that is why I'm, I'm so dedicated to try to unmasking this propaganda because it is so horrifying and atrocious to see this happening. Um, but yeah, when you look at October 7th, when journalists go to these screenings, they're actually told beforehand, not only can you not talk about what you see, but you're about to see video footage of child mutilation. 
And one of the reporters that saw it, he said, wait, nothing in this. I mean, wow, that's a really shocking and bold claim that you're about to see child mutilation. Oh, my God. And as we know, I think one of the only things that the video does show is um, a Hamas fighter throwing a grenade and potentially a child um, not being able to hear after the grenade went off and potentially killing his father in a shelter, if I'm not mistaken. And that that is alleged to be child mutilation. Now, when Mm -hmm. you compare that to the actual claims that were put out and are still parroted even by our president, um, that 40 babies were beheaded, it's a pretty stark contrast of what the truth is. Yeah. And and to your point, I mean, many people have been circulating um, this new uh, Haaretz piece that came out, uh, the title of which is Hamas's campaign of rape against Israeli women is revealed testimony after testimony. When you open the article and you actually read it, the article itself says, quote, thus far, the commission has not taken testimony directly, but it will begin to do so soon. So the headline doing all of the work, there just isn't any testimony corroborating this. And of course, I think we'd all agree, as Pramila Jayapal said, if there was evidence of this, it would be horrible. And we would like to be able to confirm or deny it. But your point, Abby, about the UN being precluded from doing that investigation, there was a story about the incinerated cars um, that were burned up on October 7th being buried. Arguably, they're being buried because uh, funeral rites and an inability to get the bodies out of the car means that that's the way you put people to rest. But other people say this is a way to cut off any investigation into who's responsible for incinerating all of those people in their cars. Um, And furthermore, some people have been arguing, well, of course, there's no testimony from the rape victims. They were killed. And this is so gruesome. And I and I and it's macabre. And I would prefer not to be having to have these conversations. But quite obviously, we live in the 21st century where we have rape kits designed for exactly this kind of purpose. And I don't know how you can have news stories about how the IDF can provide for the widows of fallen soldiers to collect semen samples from fallen soldiers, but we live in a world we don't have the same expectation that with accusations of not just singular rapes, but widespread rape, that was what Dana Bash called it, widespread rape, that there wouldn't be any interest in confirming those atrocities, both for in the interest of the families of the victims and for the historical record. So if the, it is true, there isn't specious speculation. Why wouldn't you conduct rape kits on people that you allege to have been raped? Instead, what we're treated to is photographs of women with blood on them. And we're, we're, we're mm-hmm. told that this is evidence in and of itself. Look, it may or may not be, but given what this kind of testimony, false testimony has been used to justify, I think folks are more than entitled to getting some concrete evidence before they jump to conclusions. In Gaza, the massacre of Palestinians continues. I'm Kent Garrett. As you prepare your breakfast, think of others. Do not forget to feed the pigeons. As you wage your wars, think of others. Do not forget those who fight for peace. As you pay your water bill, think of others, those who are nursed by clouds. As you return home to your home, think of others. Do not forget the people of the camps. As you sleep and count the stars, think of others, those who have nowhere to sleep. As you liberate yourself with metaphors, think of others, those who have lost their right to speak. As you think of others far away, think of yourself and say, 
If only I were a candle in the night. This is for Palestine, of course, the capital Jerusalem. Unarmed people marching to the wall and they're shooting them. Suppression is a question, resistance is the answer. Long live Palestine, long live Gaza. Palestine, of course, the capital Jerusalem. Unarmed people marching to the wall and they're shooting them. Suppression is a question, resistance is the answer. Long live Palestine, long live Gaza. All you see is war every time you turn your head and Bloodshed on the floor Mother cries, who cries for her this time it's Truth between these walls See the lies between the lines They hide where the bullets coming from From the tyrants dressed in our disguise I'm ride until the end Even if I get a pushback for all my friends Cause you know that I'm a fighter Let me see a lighter And we not gonna stop the Palestine is free But still you know that I'm a ride until the end even if I got a pushback for all my friends Cause you know that I'm a fighter Let me see a lighter And we're not gonna stop the Palestine is free Talk to not know, talk to be blind, talk to not care Tell me what's real, borderlines, military despair How to exist if there's no rights to be human in fear And if you take away your home, where's the heart supposed to live? Talk to not know, talk to be blind, talk to not care Tell me what's real, borderlines, military despair How to exist if there's no rights to be human in fear And if you take away your home, where's the heart supposed to live? Buturea could resist without a wheelchair Ten year challenge, tell Rick if we are still here And tell that killer Netanyahu he should feel fear The old live through us and guarantee the children will care Criminal, not invincible and you know it Samadun, Samadun still sitting in their stoic May not feel us with you when you listen to our poems You inspire humanity, your resistance is heroic Regardless of talk, here's time we answer the call Through your strength of spirit you provide example for all How to live, how to love when attacked from the clouds above Loud and clear the songs you sung can't be drowned by the sound of guns Won't just watch your tragic time through a satellite dish The least that we can give you is an anthem like this They panic, try to analyse and sanitise this But we love you more than ever still, Palestine lives oppression of the Palestinians, encircling of the people of Gaza, the killing of civilians, the burning of homes, the daily oppression, the theft of land, the apartheid system in the West Bank where there are two road systems, and I've been and I'm sure you have, and you see the, the, the Israeli road, you see like a, a spanking new highway with just the settler cars going backwards and forth, then you see the old Palestinian roads, and it's clearly it's it's people living under two sets of laws. 
an apartheid system. So all this is being uncovered, and the boycotts and divestment and sanctions campaign, which I support and I'm sure many other people do, as a peaceful protest against the Israeli oppression. Support groups have got to keep proclaiming the rights of the Palestinians are the right to return, the right to um, the right to their homeland, really. And, um, and the theft of land is, Israel is breaking international law, it is breaking the Geneva Convention. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.